passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Jordan Gowing. Well, um, it's, uh, it's good to be with you on a Sunday again. It's um, probably the longest stretch that I've ever gone without preaching on a Sunday at our church. Um, and as someone mentioned last week, um, probably my easiest month ever that I've had. Um, all I had to do was leave the country uh, to, to get a, a month off. No, I'm kidding. Um, it, is, it is good to be able to uh, open God's Word with you this morning um, as we stand at the beginning of a new year. And um, as we do that, I want to just um, uh, first just say uh, that, that song we just sang is, is a perfect way to end a year um, looking at the goodness of God and um, how God has been faithful over this past year, and also to look forward to uh, the new year and to remind ourselves of the goodness of God that um, no matter what may come in the year uh, 2022, um, God will be faithful because uh, God is a faithful God. And um, uh, starting um, next week or maybe the week after, we're going to jump into a book. Uh, we're going to start looking at the book of 1 Samuel. I'm super excited uh, for that time. Um, I, I love uh, the Old Testament, and I love looking at how Jesus is revealed in the Old Testament. But this morning, we're going to take a week, and we're just going to look at and consider um, the importance of God's Word. As we stand at the beginning of a new year to remind ourselves of how important God's Word is to His people. And so, in your bulletin, if you are here in person, um, you'll notice that there is a take up and read card. We've been doing this for the last couple of years, uh, this idea of taking up God's Word and reading it. And that's what we want to look at uh, this morning, is the importance of taking up God's Word, committing ourselves to be a people who read God's Word. If you're joining us online, you can actually find this uh, same reading plan in your uh, Bible notes, uh, and we'll share a couple other ways that you can connect uh, to these notes um, here later on in the service. And this uh, phrase, take up and read, comes um, from a, a very important story in church history. I shared this last week. In, in the year 381, in August of 381, there was a man from North Africa. His name was Augustine. And he was facing a crisis in his life. In his 20s, he had spent his entire life basically sparing himself no pleasure, uh, whether that was sexual or, or material. Uh, and as he was pursuing all of these different things, he was left feeling empty. And in the year 381, he, had, he, was, he was 31 and he was sitting in his study and he was considering all of these different things and he hears a voice outside of his window, a little girl singing this song, Tole Elege, Tole Elege, which is Latin for take up and read, take up and read. And in response, he, he goes ahead and grabs his Bible because he grew up in a Christian home and he just opens it at random and he opens it to Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14 and reads these words. It says this, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, nor in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And here's this man who has spent his entire adult life to this point gratifying the desires of the flesh, and he was cut to the heart, and he was in that moment 
converted to the faith and became a Christian. And over the rest of his lifetime, he became one of the most influential thinkers in Christian history. His legacy echoes down to this day. How we understand and how we interpret God's word is, is rooted in the way that this man helpfully described how do we understand the story of the Bible. God uses his word to transform hearts and lives. And he's been doing that throughout history, and he can and and he will do the same thing this year as well if we commit to take up and to read God's word. And so as we consider this reality this morning, I want us to look at one popular, um, well-known psalm that talks about the importance of God's word, and that is Psalm 1. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Psalm 1, standing at the beginning of the Psalms. It is the, the first of 150 different songs that we find written, in several, written by several different authors throughout Israel's history. All of these songs cover a spectrum of life and human emotion. It covers the ups and downs of life. It covers the justice and the injustice that we experience in life. It, it talks about when, when life is good and, and things seem fair and when life is bad and when things seem unfair as well. And one of the most powerful things about the Psalms is that as we read them, they oftentimes give us the words to explain what we are feeling in a way that is better than we could ever put into words. And of all of these psalms, Psalm 1, I think it's, it's not a coincidence that it stands at the beginning of the book of Psalms because it serves as an introduction to the rest of the book of, of Psalms. In a very real sense, it is the gatekeeper to the book of Psalms. It's reminding us that if we're going to worship God, and that's what the psalms are all about, worshiping God, then we're going to, if we're going to approach God, then we're going to have to do it on his terms. And we're going to have to do it through the lens of his word. And Psalm 1 tells us in very black and white terms that at the end of the day, there are, there are two types of people. Everyone is going to be influenced by one of two different places in your life. It says that there are some who at the end of the day are considered the wicked. And that there are some at the end of the day who are considered the righteous. And, and, and these two categories are defined by our relationship to, or, or maybe our lack thereof, our relationship to God and to his word. That's what Psalm 1 is all about. It's describing that there are two types of people, and, and people can be defined on how they approach God and how they approach his word. For those who are righteous, it's those who delight in and desire to read the word of God. And and those who are considered to be wicked are those who are influenced not by God, not by his word, but instead by the world. And I think that's the key to understanding our text this morning and really our charge as we look at the beginning of this new year is to remind ourselves that transformation comes from a desire and a delight in God's Word and ultimately in God Himself. So if you want transformation, we stand at the beginning of a new year. New Year's resolutions are really common. If you want a life that is transformed, 
over the next 365 days. You want to get to the end of this year and say, you know what, I've made progress in my life. Psalm 1 tells us that that transformation comes through a delight in and a desire for God's Word and ultimately for God Himself. And as I was considering Psalm 1 and I was considering the role of of Scripture in our lives, I was just reminded of some of the words from Deuteronomy. And I want to share these as we begin our time in this passage this morning. Right as Israel is about to enter into the promised land, right before they're going to enter into this land that God has promised to them for centuries, they stop right on the banks of the Jordan River. They can see off in the distance this land that God has promised to them. And before they enter into the promised land, Moses stops the people of God to remind them of the centrality of the gift that God has given to them by speaking to them. Notice the words of of Deuteronomy chapter 4, describing how the people of Israel, different than all of the other people on the face of the planet. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call on Him? So Moses says, you know what, don't forget how wonderful, magnificent, amazing this gift is that God is close to us. That we are a great nation. That God hears us when we call to Him. And and we might say, well, what makes the people of Israel this great nation? Moses describes that the key to this closeness with God is ultimately found in the fact that God has spoken to the people of Israel of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people's who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this is a great nation and it is wise and an understanding people. So Deuteronomy emphasizes this incredible gift that the people of Israel have, that they have the very words of God. And as those who stand on this side of the cross, on the other side of the cross, we have this even greater gift that God has revealed his entire full plan that's a long last revealed in the person of Jesus. We see this in the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews, starting his book, reminds us of the greatness of the revelation of God's plan in Jesus. Hebrews starts this way. Long ago, and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. In other words... What Hebrews is saying is that in the centuries before Jesus, we had this incredible gift, this unfathomable gift of God speaking to people through his prophets. But now in the person of Jesus, we see the fullness of God's plan revealed. We have this even greater gift that God has spoken to us in the person of Jesus. That we don't need to go anywhere else to understand what God is like. We don't need to go anywhere else to understand what kind of life 
we should live in order to honor God. In fact, the Apostle Peter, writing to the church in his second letter to the church, makes this very clear. He says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who created us and called us to His own glory and excellence. Peter is saying you have everything that you need to live a godly life, to live a life that honors Jesus, and it's found through the knowledge of Him. It's found through Jesus. So if you want to live a transformed life in the year 2022, and I hope that all of us do to some extent, the key is found in God's Word. The key is to delight in and desire God and His Word. And so with that in mind, I just want us to open up Psalm 1, and we're going to ask two questions over the rest of our time. We're going to spend the bulk of our time asking this question, why? Why should I delight in God and in His Word? And then we'll spend a few brief moments afterward considering how. How do we delight in the Word of God? If you have a Bible, please follow along as I read aloud Psalm 1, starting in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore... The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Would you pray with me? Father, as we approach your word this morning, we first say thank you for this precious gift. We say thank you that you have revealed yourself to your creation And you've done it in two ways, as as the Psalms make clear. First, you you reveal yourself in in some way through your creation, but but you reveal yourself in in a specific and unique way through the Scriptures. God, we thank you that you have given us everything we need to live a godly life in your Word. And we ask as we study it now that you would help us to desire you as we open this passage. Help us to delight in you and in your word. We ask these things, God, so that we could live lives that are increasingly conformed to the image of your Son. And we ask these things ultimately, not for our sake, but for the sake of your name and for the sake of your glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you make these things possible. And we ask that you would be at work this morning in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. All right, so first, let's, uh, let's consider why. Why should we delight in the Word of God? Or as the psalmist says here in Psalm, chapter, er, psalm 1, why should we delight in the law of the Lord? Consider again verses 1 and 2. Blessed, <clears throat> excuse me, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Notice we have this contrast here, and we're going to see this contrast 
come up over and over again as we look at Psalm 1, this contrast between those who are delighting in the law of God, delighting in the word of God, and those who do not. And as we consider this, the first thing that comes, jumps out to us as we look at this passage is probably this definition of the righteous and of the wicked. The key factor separating the righteous from the wicked, according to this psalm, is what guides you. Where you are finding your guidance is what will determine what type of person you are. The truth is, all of us, whether we realize it or not, our lives are being guided by one or one of two different places. We're either being guided by God and His Word, or we are being guided by the world. That we will either find wisdom on how to live life in His Word, or we will find wisdom on how to live life through the word or through the world we will either find this description this understanding of what life should even look like from God's word or we will find and define how life should look like from the world notice how this psalm starts by describing these different ways that we can be righteous and wicked the psalm describes the righteous person as someone who is blessed, someone who delights in and meditates upon God's word. This psalm describes them as the equivalent of a healthy, fruitful tree. Their way is known by God. They are able to stand before God. In contrast, we have the wicked. The wicked are not blessed. They are influenced by, they behave as, they associate with evil. They are the equivalent of useless shaft. They are unable to stand before God and their way perishes before God. That's quite the contrast. Quite the contrast here in this psalm. On the one hand, you have those who follow God and His commands as revealed in Scripture, and they are blessed because of it. And on the other hand, you have those who will perish. That as they are guided by the world, they will end up perishing. Night and day, we have these people who will meditate on God's Word, and God guides them through it. And on the other hand, you have those who are guided by the world. Consider the, the three parts of, of verse 1. First, we see the wicked are described uh, by their thoughts, by their behavior, and their association. Their thoughts, their behavior, and their association. To be unrighteous means that your thoughts are influenced by the wicked. They are guided by the wicked. This is the way of life that is antithetical to God and to the way of the gospel. It is a life that is ruled not by the things of God, but instead by the things of the world, by materialism, by immorality, by covetousness, by hyper-individualism, by worshiping self and not caring about others. And we could go on and on and on. Notice again the, the first phrase of verse 1. Blessed is the man who does what? Walks not in the counsel of the wicked. This is where the problem starts. Rooting the guiding principle of your life, not in what God has to say, but instead in what others have to say. 
The psalmist is making it very clear that we have two options before us. We will either be influenced by the counsel of the wicked, or, as we shall soon see, we will be influenced by a delight in the law and the word of God. But that's not all. Not just our thoughts, it's also our behavior. Second, we see that the unrighteous or the wicked have a behavior that mimics those who are wicked. The second phrase of verse 1 nor stands in the way of sinners. Here, this author is describing the type of person who has gone further than just being influenced by the world in their thinking. They now act like the world in their deeds. And this is the natural result of following the counsel of the world. You're going to be under the influence of the world, and that leads you to acting like the rest of the world. This seems to be a truism in life. You will increasingly act like the things that have the greatest influence upon you. The things that saturate your life will have the greatest influence upon you, and you'll begin to reflect or mirror those things in your life. So if you are surrounded by people who use vulgar language, either in your peer circles or whether you just consume a lot of media that uses profane language, you will find it easier to swear. It will just be a part of your life. If you're surrounded by people who relish in the misfortune of others, then you will begin to feel the exact same way. If you are surrounded by people who are constantly angry, you will find it easier to get angry yourself. Your temper will start to flare. When we talk about walking in the counsel of the wicked, our thoughts are transformed and our behaviors begin to be transformed as well. But that's not all. The psalmist concludes, with, uh, concludes verse 1 by saying that this will ultimately lead to a full association with the wicked. Third phrase in verse 1, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Sitting in the seat of scoffers is this full association with the way of the world, not just in our thinking, not just in our actions, but who we pledge our allegiance to, our identification. The true north of your compass will determine the direction of your life. And if you have a faulty compass, if your compass is pointing you to somewhere that isn't actually true north, then you're not going to just end up thinking like and behaving like those who are opposed to God. But soon enough, you are going to find yourself indistinguishable from those who mock God. This is what a scoffer is. Someone who ridicules the way of God. What does it mean to be wicked according to this passage? Well, it means to have an unbiblical worldview. And that unbiblical worldview produces unholy thoughts, actions that are dishonoring to God and ultimately a full association with wickedness. Adopting, assuming this rejection of anything about who God actually is. But contrast that in verse 2 
with the way of the righteous person. Verse 1, of course, the righteous person is defined by the negative. The righteous person is the person who is not influenced in their thinking by the way of the world, who is not having their actions influenced by the way of the world, those who have not identified with the way of the world. The source of influence and transformation for the righteous is altogether different, and that's what we see in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it, on this law, he meditates both day and night. Do you see what the author is doing here? He's describing this contrast that instead of having our way of life influenced by the world, instead of having our behavior mimicking the world, associating with the wicked, we must have all of these areas, our thoughts, our behaviors, our association, all of us must instead be ruled by a delight in the law of God, a meditation on God and on His Word. Of course, what exactly does it mean to delight in the law of the Lord? I love the way Isaiah describes it. In Isaiah chapter 66, the second half of verse 2 says this, But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. If you want to delight in the word of God, then that means that we approach the Word of God with a humble spirit, with a contrite heart, this heart that is quick to ask God for forgiveness for the ways that we fail to live up to His standards, this picture that God gives us of what a life worth living actually looks like, and a heart that ultimately trembles at God and before His Word. It is an unfathomable gift that we have the very words of God. That God has seen fit to speak and give us His words and how to live a life that honors Him. And a heart that delights in the law of God should not consider the word of God a trifle or a trivial thing, but an unfathomable gift. And a gift that comes with unfathomable responsibility, and reverence as well. Throughout this passage, you'll see the psalmist is referring to the law of the Lord. Refers to, he doesn't actually say the word of God. He just refers to the, the law of the Lord. And, and I continue to refer to it as the word of God. This word law, oftentimes in the Old Testament, is used to refer just to the entire picture of God's written word. It's this description of, of God's word generally. And so what what he's saying here is delight in this picture of God revealed in the Bible. This word delight is is an easy one, I think, for us to, to grasp a hold of because we have all experienced delight in our lives. For those who have uh, been to places where you delight in nature, whether that's the Grand Canyon or mountains or um, the ocean, and you get this sense of wonder and marvel at, at 
the grandeur of creation. It's this delight that comes in our hearts. Some of us define delight when we um, are enjoying weather that's not negative 10 degrees outside, but instead is, is quite warm outside and you get to be out on the water. Others of us, we define delight as a beautiful sunrise or getting to spend time with family or listening to a beautiful symphony. The psalmist describes delight in a similar fashion. It says, the joy that you get from all of those other things should be the exact same sort of joy that you experience when you approach God's word. And that you should tremble at the very notion that the God of the entire universe has seen fit to speak in a way that you can understand. What an incredible gift. Now we'll, we'll get into what exactly does it look like for us or how do we delight in the law in a little bit, but that's enough for now. I want us to ask a, a crucial question as we consider so far this passage. Are we receiving our guidance from the way of the world or from the way of God. You see, the reality is if we are not delighting in and meditating upon God's word, how do we expect to receive guidance from God? How could we possibly receive guidance from God if we're not actually spending time in what God has given us for guidance, for how to live a life that honors him. If God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness in His Word, then to claim to receive guidance from God in a place other than His Word is, is short-sighted at best, and it's, and it's flat-out wrong at worst. On the other hand, if we are not meditating on God's Word, not delighting on or in God's Word, how, how are we not being guided by another source. The book Renovation of the Heart by, by Dallas Willard, I, I love this description he, he gives us. He, he reminds us that spiritual formation is always happening. Renovation of your heart is always happening. You are always being transformed and conformed at each and every moment. And the question, of course, is what is it that is, that is, is transforming you? To what are you being conformed? That's what Psalm 1 is describing. If you are not spending time in God's Word, not delighting in it, not meditating upon it, then by very default, you are being conformed to the world. You're being transformed by a way that is antithetical to the gospel. Now, the psalmist gives us that question, but isn't done at that point. Verse 3, verse 4 give us this powerful word picture of what these two ways of life will result in. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Notice how a delight in God's word matters for today. These two word pictures are, are powerful. On the one hand, we have a fruit tree. Don't pass over the imagery of verse 3 here. Let it sink deep into your heart and, and, and into your imagination even. 
This tree is planted by streams of water, so it's always full of life. It's always healthy. Because it's near streams of water, it's tapped into the source of life, and it grows strong. It has deep roots. Because it is near the streams of water, it it constantly bears fruit in its season. It is consistent. It is dependable. It is strong, majestic, full of life, useful. And it's not too hard for us to make the transition from trees to people. As we read verse 3, we can maybe think of people Maybe even in our own church who, yeah, they're a Psalm 1 type of person. That they delight in and meditate upon God's word day and night and we can see the fruit of their lives. That they are strong, majestic, fruitful, wise. In contrast, we have the way of the wicked. The way of the wicked are guided by the world rather than by God's word. They are chaff. They are useless. Our family used to live right by a cornfield, and during harvest, our backyard would get coated with red dust from, from the harvest. And, and as I think of Psalm 1, I think a lot of, of that picture, this red, fine dust that is the byproduct, that is the result of the harvest, of, of seizing hold of what is useful in the plant and leaving nothing but a useless, fine dust that even the slightest breeze will blow it away. Do you see what the psalmist is saying here when he's describing those who are guided by the world and those who are guided by God. He says, those who are guided by the world are useless. They are worthless. They're blown, away, they're blown about by the whims of culture. Ultimately, they're dead. They're being guided by a world that will not help their spiritual life. They're trying to find hope and life and meaning in a place other than in God's word. And they're never going to encounter, you're never going to encounter God in a place that is outside his written word. What I mean by that is you're not going to find God by running to a self-help guru. God reveals himself in his word. Do you see how this matters for life today? This tree is not just growing for itself, it is fruitful, it is helping others, it's, it's benefiting those who are around it. If you want to help your marriage, if you want to help your parenting, if you want to improve the church you go to, if you want to be a blessing to your community, then delight in the law of the Lord and you will prosper, meaning you will bear fruit, you will be useful for those who are around you. And if you want to be useless, blown about by the wind, you can run elsewhere. A tree that has solid roots will endure the storms of life, times when life is hard. But for those who are like chaff, 
when the storms of life come and there's no root system, they will be blown away by the storm. Delighting in God and in his word matters for today, but that's not all. It also matters for tomorrow, and this is how the psalmist ends this passage. Consider verse 5 and verse 6. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You see, not only does delighting in God's word matter for today, it also matters for tomorrow. Finding your guidance from God rather than the world is of ultimate importance because it determines your ultimate destination. The contrast here is is sharp. Those who are chaff are unable to stand and and their way perishes before God. The imagery here is of of this courtroom. The guilty are on trial, and when asked to make their defense, they're not even able to stand up to begin to make their defense. But not so for the righteous. Their way is known by God, and because of that, they're able to stand among the congregation of their fellow righteous ones. Delighting in God's law matters for tomorrow. But don't mistake this as some form of works righteousness, as though the more you read God's word, the more righteous you are in God's eyes. The scripture places an emphasis on delighting in God's word Not because that's going to earn us favor in God's eyes, but because as we delight in God's word, we are actually delighting in God, that we encounter God through his word. No one delights in a book for the sake of a book. When you read a book, it's either because of what it says or the person who wrote it. And that's the case here. Delight in the law of God leads to delight in God himself and a deepening relationship with God himself. See, the reality is all of us were at one time in the first category. We were at one time those who were unrighteous, who were wicked, who were following the guidance of the world, who were going our own way with no desire to delight in God, no desire to delight in his word. And then Jesus comes And Jesus is the one who ultimately fulfills this psalm. Jesus is the only one who ever fully and completely delighted in the word of God, whose thoughts and behaviors and and all of him was connected with and, and fully obedient with God and his word. Jesus' thoughts conform to the word of God. His actions conform to the word of God. And yet in a stunning twist, he chooses not to associate with the righteous, but instead with the wicked. He chooses to be numbered among the transgressors so that we might enter into the congregation of the righteous. This is the grace of the gospel. This is the grace of the of God in the place where we delight when we turn to God and in his word. Why do we delight? Why do we delight in the word of God and the law of God? It's because that's where transformation comes from. It's because when we delight in God's word, we ultimately find God himself.
But how? How do we delight in the word of God? We may see the importance of God's word. We might understand that, yes, this is something that um, will be really beneficial for our transformation in the year 2022, but, but maybe we've never actually done this. So how do we do this? The first place, of course, is to start. Just start reading the Bible with regular rhythm. This is where our take up and read reading plan comes in. Many of you have a Bible reading plan that you have been doing for some time, for maybe even years, and it works really well for you. And, and our, our take up and read plan is, is not designed to replace that. In fact, there is complete freedom to not participate in take up and read if you are already reading God's word faithfully. But maybe you find yourself in a place where you, you struggle with reading God's word consistently and the way for you to start reading consistently is, is to join us in take up and read. This year, our goal is to read through the entire New Testament over the year 2022 and also to read through half of the Old Testament. And then Lord willing, in, in 2023, we'll read through the New Testament again and we'll finish the Old Testament. So over the course of the next two years, you could read through the entire Bible. And if you've never done that before, what an accomplishment. What a beautiful, beautiful thing to take five days a week, maybe six days a week, to read God's Word, a chapter a day. And if you're not a great reader... That's okay. Actually, for most of church history, the primary way people meditated upon the Word of God was by listening to it. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we encourage the Bible app here at Crosswinds. It's because you can listen to Scripture as easily as you can just reading it. It's built right into the app. And, and so if you find yourself at a place where, man, I, I, I want to read God's word, but I, I struggle with reading, here, here's what I would suggest to you. Listen to the Old Testament. But take the time to wrestle, to struggle with the New Testament. To open up the New Testament and to read it each day, but for the Old Testament, just listen to it. Listen to the story of God and see how life can be transformed. Of course, Psalm 1 isn't just talking about reading the Bible. That's just the beginning. The psalm, psalmist doesn't say that transformation happens when we are just going through a reading plan on autopilot, just checking boxes. He says that we have to delight in and meditate upon the word of God. So in addition to reading God's word, we must also build rhythms and habits of meditating on it. What does this word meditate mean? It, it just means to think deeply about God's word. So take a passage and, and spend 30 seconds before you start reading it and just pray say god this is your word i believe that you still speak 
Would you speak to me through this passage? That's all you have to say. And then as you're reading, take notes. If you are someone who takes notes or writes in your Bible, write in your Bible and, and underline in your Bible. If that's not you, go to, go to Walmart and buy a, a notebook for, for 70 cents. And make your notes in that notebook so that way, as you're reading, you can see how God is speaking to you. And use those notes to guide your thoughts, to guide your prayers throughout the day. Meditation also means memorization. If you've never memorized God's Word, if you haven't tried memorizing God's Word before, Psalm 1 is a great place to start. Six verses, powerful verses. Might God be calling you to memorize Psalm 1 as you delight in His Word this year? If you've already memorized Psalm 1, memorize Romans 8, memorize Ephesians 2, Memorize Philippians 2. Memorize anything. Delight in God's Word comes through meditation. And as we struggle with and, and wrestle with memorization, it leads to meditation because you're running through it over and over in your head. And you will see your life transformed. Transformation comes through a desire in and a delight in God's word and ultimately in God himself. And as I mentioned this morning as we began, our church has, has taken the first Sunday of, of the year for the last few years just to, to remind ourselves of the importance of, of being a people who are committed to God's word, not just on Sunday as we gather, but as individuals as well. And we're going to keep coming back to this every year because the message is no less relevant to be a people who take up and read God's word. It doesn't matter our age. It doesn't matter our stage of life. It doesn't matter where we're at in the journey of spiritual progress. Transformation comes through a delight in and a desire in God's word and ultimately in God himself. What if this year, in 2022, we committed our lives to delighting in God's word? Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word the gift that it is. And in your mercy, God, we ask that you would help us to be a people who take up and read, who you, through the power of your Spirit, transform And conform us evermore into the image of your Son as we open up your word and encounter you. God, help us this year to be a people devoted to you and to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Jordan's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.